met this six-year-old child in this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to the episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight we're having a swap cast with two elite level returning guests. Uh, we are truly honoured to welcome back um, the host and creator of Meta Minecast, uh, Robbie Marks, and the host and creator of Threshold Saints podcast, Jinder Ninja. Now then, gentlemen. <laughs> hey, General Lee. Hello, hello. You all right? Well, I'm good. How are you? Uh, Sound mate, sound yourself, Rob, Eugene, and Robert. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, just since I got back home, just working a lot, doing a lot of art. So, and congratulations, yeah, again on your pink floor design, mate. That's so fucking, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. Achievement, mate, brilliant. Yeah, so happy to be able to pull that one off, you know. <laughs> And Pink Floyd as well. Right, right. Arguably one of the biggest um, bands. I think they're probably one of the biggest bands, like globally. I mean, they've had the number one album on top charts for like years and years and years, as far as with Dark Side of the Moon and Money, you know? Yeah, it's um, fucking mad, mate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, um, I mean, what I we'll talk about today is, you know, um, cinema, like movies, even TV that I've got um, portals of some sort, uh, which there's quite a lot. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, and it's just interesting to think, like, through history, like, you know, um, all the portals um that we see as far as when you get into like some of these south american sites where they're like you know the portals of the gods and you get into like um you know just all all these different uh fictional pieces that we see in cinema um like you know the chronicles of narnia um being john malkovich monsters incorporated um nightmare before christmas um stargate um it's like you just over and over and over you're seeing um, these, you know, shows where they're like transversing between realities, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I mean, to watch how it's done is brilliant on some of them. But um, it's worrying at the same time. Mm. You think, I mean, the shit what was going on with ASAP and that at Skinwalker Ranch. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um CERN, CERN looking into dark <laughs> matter and 
you know are they you know what was it the head of sun there said you know we're going to open a portal and we don't know what might come out you know and it's um just over and over we're seeing it it's um there's within the the idea of creating film and movie there's there's um a psychological warfare tactic that they use where that where they will actually bring reality into fiction and fiction into reality um so that you confuse the the worlds so that you're more apt to you know um believe anything pretty much um but it's just <laughs> interesting uh, you know like are there portals transversing between worlds i mean because you get into like jesus when he was you know resurrected and come he comes out of the uh you know vesica pisces and basically won't allow anybody to touch him you know because it'll it'll you know spoil his ability to be able to transcend back into the other you know realm or dimension it's like you know over and over we see these stories and it's just like um I don't know and you also hear like in australia as far as the aboriginals where they will be able to be in one place one moment and just click oh, out yeah. of existence and appear somewhere else instantaneously you know and that yes. does that happens a couple times in the hebrew texts um one of the times when um jacob is running from esau somehow a portal opens up and he's like moved between spaces you know um to help him escape esau and you just it's it's uh i don't know i don't know it's it's crazy man yeah crazy. yeah well so, even like the, even there sorry darling no no thank you Bob. Okay. Well, I was just going to say the a lot of the Catholic saints also have that ability of bilocation. Right. So like St. Martin de Porras from Peru, um, St. Francis of Assisi, um, St. Padre Pio was said to be able to sometimes bilocate, but not always. Very mm -hmm. interesting, though, that there are a lot of the people who had stigmata were especially able to bilocate, especially right. talking about Jesus and the Vesca Pisces. I think that's very interesting. Mm. And what is the Vesica Pisces but the overlapping of two realms? You take two circles and overlap them to create that intermediary, you know, almost portal. So I think the question then is, is when they do that in film, like you said, is it to like fuck with us mentally so then we believe things because when you believe things you are co-created with reality right? right and then or or are they telling us things or are they telling us things but they're lying right or or all three simultaneously <laughs> well, that's very dialectical right if they yeah, did right. all three right i think you know what what to me, what is is what is just what you just mentioned then Robert was the Aboriginal side of it. because um, you hear a lot of stories in a certain part of uh, Australia where there are maybe these portals where they can like say just go in and end up like hundred miles away. Mm. Some stuff like that. Even further. Right. Yeah, Australia's fucking huge, isn't it? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Pippin's mentioned that also unlocking the code and Grubb's mentioned it as well. Hmm. That's yeah, uh, true. huge law for Aboriginals that um, well, obviously it's true, isn't it? 
Yeah, I just recorded an episode with Drew Misson from Missing the Point. Shout out to Drew. Oh, yeah. He, he's a really, he knows a lot about this, Robbie. If you want to do like Aboriginal episode, he, he's the guy. Or Grunt. Nice, nice. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I've done one with Drew as well. It was uh, going to do a part two to that. Right. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. The link is and like the how much of the how much of the lore is modern like we were talking about like the difference between like indigenous people in north america and then australia and then how much of it is actually like post 1700 like the dot painting is like a recent introduction from a french painter Mm. and that kind of blew my mind Mm. now what was the recent introduction from a french painter the aboriginal dot painting from australia okay okay Hmm, i didn't know that yes he was well drew was telling me that it was from like 1912 there was a french painter he went to australia he was like Mm -hmm. an impressionistic kind of guy and he taught like local people how to paint Mm. so i thought that was very interesting like a lot of the things we think are ancient are actually modern right right and I will, and I guess like in uh, the United States, um, the whole peyote tradition um, was actually something that was recently, uh, some would say reintroduced, but um, it's just interesting how when you track that back, it kind of goes back to um, intelligence and, you know, basically crafting um, reality stances, you know? Um, yeah. You got to wonder. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a really interesting rabbit hole. Like the whole ghost dance slash like peyote ceremony. Like, because, yeah, when you're looking at that history, that's very interesting. And like, there was a lot of like army people involved in it, even in the 1850s. Yep, and yep. yeah, it was always surrounding the forts, right? Especially like Wyoming, Colorado, all yep. of those kind of areas. So, like, I think that it's probably indivisible. It's probably. Mm-hmm all linked together in a weird way that i mean i haven't cracked that but maybe that would be an interesting like topic well and it's interesting getting into the ghost dance you know um and aldous huxley's use of that or was it george orwell um as far as the all drew from it yeah well yeah but this i think it's brave new world um where uh uh george orwell basically um uses the ghost dance um as basically a separation between the new and the old world um, but i've got a friend uh the uh, nakota indian in south he's from south dakota he's in colorado now but um he he does go up and do the ghost dance and he's done you know a lot of the ritual ceremonies and the sweat lodges and um yeah it's it's definitely some interesting stuff to look into oh he said it's good robert oh yeah i mean and you know they i from what I understand, they kind of do it for their ancestors um, to almost communicate, you know, with past generations um, and kind of it's uh, kind of a mournful kind of sorrowful kind of thing that they do um, to, to help lend um, direction into the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm here the the sun we do like the people do sundance that's the really common one up here mm, right right but the we don't really have like i think in the southern saskatchewan southern alberta they did 
used to do ghost dance, but it's, it's, I mean, unless there might be like a grandpa who does it, but I don't mm. heard of it for a long time. Well, and it's, you know, as far as the Indian powwows, it's just been recently within, you know, fairly modern times that they've been allowed to start to actually, you know, do their old dances. I mean, for the longest, a lot of that stuff was really outlawed, you know. Right. Outlawed. Oh, yeah. For years, man. Um, and finally, um, they started letting them have powwows at a certain point. Um, I'm, I'm sure they were probably always having them, you know, some, you know, um, secretly. Oh, like secretly. Yeah. yeah, doing their, their, keeping their traditions alive. But no, there was a, there was a active presence working to oppress, you know, that whole, uh, that whole phenomena of, you know, keeping, keeping their culture for a while. Um, but that's, that's the other thing, you know, um, I've heard of some of these ceremonies where they will actually, you know, hang themselves from trees with hooks. And basically it's to put themselves into an altered state of mind where they essentially, here we go back to the portals, transcend, you know, dimension into another world, you know, looking for some sort of, uh, almost a, a prophecy, you know? That actually reminds yeah. me of. Sorry, John Lee, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention about the hooks. Um, are they are they the same hooks where they're like um, swinging from them, kind of thing? They put like another in the back and they dangle. Yeah, something like that. I didn't really ask too many questions. I was just <laughs> like, trying to listen to the stories when they're telling them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, just as a portal between the old world and the new world and like, you know, um, getting into the idea that we used to be in connection with the earth and, you know, we used to walk the earth and, and be part of the earth yeah. within the systems of the natural turning, you know, of the earth. And now we're like, we have, you know, lights and we stay up late if we want to, um, we're scrying, you know, on these black, you know, mirrors, basically you know looking at portals into you know another dimension a virtual dimension you know and uh it's interesting how the reality of who we are as a people has changed you know well said that really yes well very well said i was gonna bring up but that was a really great point but i was also gonna bring up the thing of typusam i don't know if either of you are familiar with that mm, no i but... So it's the Tamil festival. It takes place uh, once a year. I think it used to take place twice a year, but they only do it once a year. And then that's the one that everybody sees like on when, you know, when people actually used to watch TV on the travel channel and stuff, but they yeah. would, the guys would um, go into a trance and pierce their tongues with swords and walk over the coals and pierce their oh, yeah. backs. Oh. Yeah, that's great. More crazy shit, man. <laughs> yeah well i think it's interesting in the terms of the current times like they did it to the god of war and mm -hmm. the god of war is like produced supposedly from the dialectical process of shiva meeting shakti so i think mm -hmm. that's really interesting just given our current situation <laughs> yeah that is definitely interesting as far as an amalgamation you know and and it is the dialectic you know and uh, the essential, what is it, uh, as David Icke would say, you know, pr 
problem reaction solution you know that dude honestly doesn't i know he's like an og but he does not get enough credit people don't like him for whatever reason but hey you know he was been he's been like right about so much stuff oh yeah it's uh but you know i mean we all get off on our own little individual weird like hang-ups within all this information you know and um I, I, I find David Icke to be a very interesting, um, you know, source of information. And as far as, you know, whether you want to look at it as allegorically or, um, you know, more fundamental, it, it just more like it, it just depends on. But I think the longer you go down the road, the more truism it takes on. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you, Robbie. I think that that's truth. I think that that's my that's been my experience. Well, I'll just say that. Like, I just think right. that the more, yeah, the more like you, you've done like long form episodes for a long time, so you totally understand that like very yeah. well. So, yeah, that's I mean that's how it was for me too. Like, just right. very kept confirming things that I maybe had heard or suspected, but wasn't quite sure. And I'm still very flexible. I don't oh, yeah. really have like a set position that I'm like totally on board or disagree. I just think all ideas are interesting and right. yeah. Sure. Well, well yeah. so and and back into the the whole um, we were talking about the peyote rituals there for a minute. Um, yeah. When you start looking into a lot of these hallucinogenic drugs, um, people going down into uh, south america with the shamans you know and basically doing the ayahuasca ceremonies um they are there's a consistent report of meeting some sort of a goddess figure that will come and sit down with you and talk about you know um nature and and the nature of the universe and then you got with uh what is it dmt dimethyltryptamine you have the clockwork elves you know that over and over you get these reports of these kind of sinister kind of trickster characters that are trying to you know convey plans to open up portals to come into our world you know and um, even with uh what is it salvia divinorum um you know i've heard some tale of uh like ancient mayan warriors with like blue light bars that you know um that that they have to kind of deal with so you get these consistent um energetic forces that you know people are consistently over and over you know um coming in contact with you know based on the vibrational um waveform that these these substances produce you know um it's just and then and and jen looking at your stuff um you know and i love a lot of the art that you post on twitter Um, oh yeah but a lot of that again is depicting portals and and the opening of these portals and these beings transversing you know realms or dimensions it's uh yeah well i've never done i've never done dmt so i don't have any experience i don't know if you have robbie with like the elves but a couple times but i've never met the machine elves Um, I didn't either, Robert. Um, I just seen like the floors going from under me mm. and shapes, and but I didn't see any um, <laughs> clockwork elves or anything like that. 
Well, but I think it's in these prolonged states where you're there for a long amount of time. Like if you watch the movie yeah. Altered States, where they hook the girl up to a you know intravenous IV, and she's you know, and I guess recently they did just clear um, legally to be able to do these uh, long-term DMT experiments where um, they're putting people into these these realms of existence for prolonged periods of time, you know. Um, but it's, it's, again, you know, on all these different levels from the science at CERN to the, uh, some of the miscellaneous hallucinogens to, you know, Hollywood to um, religion to, we see in all these angles, we're seeing these portals and these, these beings transversing portals, you know. I just think it's interesting if we think of it like, I know just from a Buddhist perspective, it's just like, it's very easy to, it doesn't, it's obviously confirms like that worldview that we live in a three world system with many mm -hmm. realms and that it's relatively easy for certain beings to cross through at certain times and certain places. Like that right. all totally makes sense. And that's been like, as you know, Ravi, it's been long described. Oh yeah. So I think that the drug, not that I'm, I'm not anti at all. I'm just, I think that sometimes it's a, it's like we force the lock open, not mm. necessarily. I think it's a useful tool, but it's like a tool that should be used with many tools at the same time. That's my and, and with great respect. Um, I agree. But and then you look at um, oh, like Aldous Huxley in regard to doors of perception, you know, and he talks about the you know these doors that are in your mind through the use of these particular substances, um, once you open those doors, they're pretty much, you know, open. And those mind states, you know, can be more easily transversed, you know. So then you're really starting to get into um, magical phenomena and um, alchemy of the, the self and, and, you know, this idea of um, knowing thyself and knowing the the many mansions that lie within as that lie without you know so it's um definitely interesting conceptually oh right for sure it's interesting it never ends but, it? yeah no it's really interesting i was i've been <laughs> reading lieber 49 um mm. in preparation for a different series I just think it's so fascinating that I recognize so much of what you're saying right now and then also what I've been reading because right. it, it just it totally has been described. It's just been described like in a very specific way, like right. in within like Tantra Tantra. So I just that's very interesting to me that like the internal kingdom is the more one we should focus more on, I guess. Well, and if you get into the magical beliefs and systems, you know, as above, so below, as without, so within, you know, and then the kingdom of heaven is within, as you know, as all the as all the texts tell us, um, so that that everything that is within is also uh, the macro is the micro, yeah, essentially, you know. 100%. And, and that's the whole thing. Um, are we really are all these portals really just transversing from the macro to the micro to the micro to the macro you know 
I mean, that's the question. That's really the the perennial question. Right. Where are we going? And are we going somewhere else? Or are we just going inside? Or right. like in our mind? So right. I think that is the really crazy thing. But I think we, you know, I think magical phenomena, the externality, I think that is all cool and everybody loves that stuff. And I love that too. So I won't, I won't like pretend <laughs> like I don't. But I do agree with you that I, I really think that we're really looking it's that's not that's just exterior phenomenon that's not like the meat that's not really where the the things are really happening well and then once you do go in and you traverse within and you you know create these fundamental changes within yourself um are you in all actuality manifesting those fundamental changes you know outside of yourself on a larger level you know it's the idea that if you can get you know a small portion of the population to meditate on the idea of world peace that it will indeed manifest it's that whole 12th monkey kind of phenomenon you know i agree and i also agree that if people sort of said world peace then we would pretty much have world peace like if people turned away kind of i think you you you're we're all on the same page i don't want to speak for you but i like the dialectical kind of mm -hmm. like management that we can manage it a lot more potently than they can that's mm -hmm. my opinion but that's the thing is when you create an intergenerational system of appeal to authority um then you end up having everyone looking outside and it's very much the idea when you go back to um the original kirk um becoming the church so the kirk would be like the meeting of the people and it would be the congregation and when you set up the church you externalize that you take it from within the self to the exterior um and and you can see this happening over and very much like um the idea of the original christ um phenomena of you know um being having that journey into the underworld and being reborn you know being anointed with the fat of the crocodile or the dragon and and being that that reborn man um to taking that and exteriorizing it to um a religious figurehead where basically now instead of working on yourself and within yourself you're sending all your energy out of yourself you know but see then the christians would say that that's satanism because you're strictly focusing on yourself so it's it's yeah it's definitely an interesting dialectic you know when general lee and i did the episode on the byrovs like the eight um, like kind of Shiva-like figures when we played them at Dath in the Kabbalah tree. I always thought that if I did like a Christian analogy to that sphere, it would be like where Jesus is because he obviously is said to conquer death. So you could right. say in a way that's your guru sphere, but in a way we all are the guru, the hero, and the witch. Right. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And that when we hit that sphere, maybe that's just the guru sphere. And then there are other ones where we hit and we're the hero. And then another one where we hit where we're the witch. But then we have to kind of coalesce at the top. Right. I don't right. know. That's just an idea I had. It's, well, you know, the 
within the idea of all being one and, you know, all being um, dispersed as, you know, indiv individual fragments of, of the, the singularity or um, the, the Godhead per se, um, we all kind of have to live all the existences that are available to live, you know, in order to maintain that experience and take it back to the whole, you know. So kind of, you know, all through time as one in all experience, I, you know, it's, it's philosophically very interesting depending on how you look at what reality is. What is reality? It's crazy, right. isn't it? It's getting right. worse. It is like a, an open zoo. Oh, it is an open zoo. And That's a good description. <laughs> it's, it, well, I think that the one of the things that we're really having to deal with dialectically is that the uh, the black scrying box of the phone or you know social media um, is designed scientifically to divide and conquer. You know, it's it's designed to you know by military you know for military purposes. Um, it's just. Uh, you know, um, I, but that's, you know, looking at things through a lens darkly, you know, um, it's uh, also facilitated a great amount of interconnection and us being able to do what we're doing right now. So, you know, again, back to the whole yin and yang, the dark and the light with everything, you know, um, it, I think it all has its natural place, you know. I agree, I agree with that, mate. Yeah, I do too. I mean, well, I for a reason. It's definitely nefarious, but I feel like yeah. you know, I feel like we can tame the dragon. Mm. I feel like it's up to us. We have the power, and you know, the dragon is inside of us, like we've just been talking about. At least right. that's how like Buddhist conception would be considerate. The space in between. So I just think that that's very interesting. I just think that we, but it's not like it's easy. I'm not saying that I'm like a master. Just, oh, yeah, no right but i'm just saying like yeah, i think it's possible yeah i mean and we're all working to kind of slay our own individual you know dragon um and it's that whole symbol of horus standing atop the crocodile or set or you know um what is it um saint michael or the, uh the archangel michael and the dragon you know in the bible um, it's it, you just see this this um, these different characters standing on dragons through all of history in all different cultures, yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder. So, Robbie, what is your opinion of that? Like standing on the dragon, because I know that you are very researched in the crowned kings, like the animal crowned kings. Mm. So I know that like the horse crown king uh, in Buddhism, he stands on the dragons and mm. then, but then the dragon himself also wears a raven crown king. Mm. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And the, well, and the, all those right, dragons, ahead. yeah, all those dragons kind of go back to the ancient serpent kings, you know, that we've seen handed down and dispersed, you know, throughout the realms. Um, but that, you know, when you look back to Set, um, and and Horus standing on the crocodile. Um, it's the idea of you know conquering 
um, the the uh, the animal machinations, almost kind of uh, you know learning to um, bridle and and take rein over the primal aspects, um, and and basically elevating yourself above the chaos, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a great reading. I mean, that's a very Buddhist reading too, in its own way. Like, right, because the horse crown king is the one who tames us. We, if we tame him, we tame ourselves. Right. And if we tame the dragon, we tame all gross sorcery. So, right. oh, in the dragon. When, sorry, go ahead, Robbie. Oh, I was going to say the dragon itself is earth, wind, fire, water. That's right. It is all the the extemporaneous. Um, elements of the natural world so it is the sensibility of the human in their place you know basically taking the reins and basically uh seeing over natural matter while we're here you know yeah no robbie you... sorry no go ahead go ahead I was going to ask in your research, I know I listened to your show that you did with Gary Wayne. I don't remember if you talked about this, but did you come across that the king of Bhutan wears also a raven crown crown? No, I have not come across it. Well, okay. Well, now, now, you know, <laughs> and specifically where what region are we talking about Bhutan here? So the king of Bhutan, the, he, they still have a monarchy in Bhutan. Mm -hmm. So right. I think it's north of nepal okay, south okay. of tibet so he yeah. still wears a raven crown and he is considered right. the raven crowned king and mm -hmm. then obviously we get those tantras that depict the dragon with the raven crown coming from bhutan specifically right and that raven crown when you trace that back um you see in um sumeria i think it's the sumerian region of mesopotamia um where there are some raven kings um but then there's also in lasco france in the cave there um there's a painting of and it's the 10 raven headed or the 10 door kings of pre-diluvian times um that awesome. were essentially this was when um they were like combining different types of animals and different types of, you know, trying to base it. There was, you know, a lot of that you can see in some of the depictions of the Tower of Babel, as far as, you know, um, different chimeric creatures, um, almost yes. like like the, the universe was still trying to figure out um, what the, the perfect form was for manifestation within this realm it was still in like an early foggy like shifting time where you know and and these 10 door kings um were the original you know and they talk about them what you have the 10 pestadian kings um in in you know uh, the aryan cultures um you have within odin you have uh uh, nine of them with Odin is ten. Um, you get into um, in in China there was the ten primordial kings. Um, after the drying up, there's uh, you know just a, a whole link of these ten primal kings that were um, in many depictions with raven heads. 
Okay, that's so crazy because that is exactly like, what you just <laughs> described is literally like the Ashtabhairavas. It's literally like Shiva or not Shiva, but Bhairava, mm-hmm. like expanding out into his own mandala eight times. So plus him is nine. So plus mm-hmm. time is nine. Right. And then the secret right. one at death. So then 10. So I think that's really crazy. Yeah. But they, we use it as a magical system. And oh, then yeah. also you right so like it's like we don't consider it like it's not historicized it's considered to be like still accessible so right. i think that's really interesting too let's see here yeah and in the uh kabbalah tree of life you also have um the ten sephirah on the tree yeah so yeah it, i'm I think, that right now yeah i think it directly relates into um, the evolving magical system that was emerging um, out of the pre-Diluvian societies, um, kind of. And I don't know, have you ever heard of the Lost Book of Noah? Okay, so I have heard of it, but I don't. I've never like looked at it or looked into it. Well, uh, some people say that it's the um, books that the Sibylline prophecy had, uh, the the prophetess of the Sibylline. Um, that she, those books that she had, and at one point she tried to sell them um, to a Roman emperor, and he wouldn't pay the going price, and she like burned one of the books, and there was three books originally, and somehow the Roman emperor only got one of them because he wasn't dealing with her appropriately, so the Sibylline priestess just burned the books, um, but a lot of people think that that has to do with the law you know the lost book of noah um coming down and you know the as far as the zadoks and um as far as the the um, early um circle drawers and the rain men and all that stuff in that time period after the after the drying up of the waters you know so robbie 100 percent. when would you what is your preferred like do you are you more of the school that we're we should push back our like dating history or we should move up our dating history yeah i think some elements should be pushed back i think some should be moved up um i think the pyramids might actually be newer than what they think what we think they are um but that's the egyptian pyramids but i think there's other pyramids on the planet that date back to uh 40 to 60,000 years, um, the pyramid of the sun down there, um, you know, they, they, they basically have thought was a mountain, um, and they found, you know, miles of underground, um, tunnels and, um, it's, uh, but yeah, I think some of the pyramids are older. Um, some of the pyramid, I think the pyramids in Egypt, um, were built by the character, um, known as Seth or Set, um, that after they basically see, cause depending on how you look at it, there was a, there was the, um, the mystery rituals of Osiris, um, which had to do with, um, you know, um, blood ritual and, um, like the, the followers of, of, you know, the, the cut up King would, you know, slice themselves and there was blood involved. And, but I think that um, they came in and basically in accordance with the Bible and um, that the this Eastern um, 
like shepherd king basically came in and shut down all the mystery um system that was going on in egypt and kind of drove it underground and i think as a celebration of shutting down those labyrinthian practices that they built the pyramid and the sphinx and and those were kind of um you know the shepherd kings that kind of came in and occupied those hyksos kings um so and and there's a couple sources that say it was like a uh, red-headed dreadlocked shepherd king that was the one that that basically came in and built those pyramids you can find that in a couple places you know so really interesting that right yeah that's did, really did he, did he uh, mention what what his name was brother yeah i've got his name around here somewhere man i'd have to dig it out of my notes man it i don't know you know i can look for it and if i find it i can send it to you yeah but, no problem mate no problem yeah yeah um but it's just you know i i think that um some things are made to be less ancient and some things are made to be more ancient i mean and then when you get into the pyramids in china you know um that there's reports um like top secret reports that were released through you know clearance and freedom of information act that basically talk about um white um pyramids in china that they had flown over really? oh yeah during world war one um into world war two oh. and i guess it wasn't until i want to say like the late 60s early 70s that these files were finally released you know um that's not that in it it really is yeah i'm to like fucking about with our reds you so. know there's a whole history of northern asia that i think maybe you've touched on it robbie but like i don't hear very many people really discuss mm. it's well and you figure that whole area used to be considered as ethiopia you know um and all the machinations that go along with that and ethiopia you got to look at just how they were kind of driven back and repressed and brought into this tiny little but at the same time you know um the queen of shiva you know fleeing bringing the the ancient you know books and and basically the ethiopians having the oldest you know bible in the world with 72 books you know even more so than uh yes. king james you know um but and that's had a lot yeah. of magic there's a lot of magic in those books that they took out you know um especially when you're getting into enoch and talking about you know the 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 angels accusing the fallen ones of bringing down the mysteries you know peering into the mysteries and bringing them to man and just you know the teeth well and what all the fallen angels you know and that's the other thing now we're talking again about transversing dimensions coming from a higher realm into a lower more condensed realm as far oh, yeah. as these fallen entities you know and they're bringing you know the death mail and you know all the the different forms of death and you know the different ways you can kill a human and all the hot you know the hotness and the sweet what was so that's another thing Pinamu, um who i've been looking at recently um i think has a great link into uh thoth or tahuti or hermes mercury um being that Pinamu. Um, one of these original fallen angels brought hotness. He showed us hotness and sweetness, how to mix colors 
and taught us, you know, how to write, which are all accredited to the author Thahudi or, you know, um, these various different characters that kind of link all in with him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, like the allegory in regard to, you know, all the different cultures providing, you know, some sort of, um, uh, unfathomable explanation for how things came about. Robbie, what would you, so generally, and I did an episode on what we'll say is like Hode or like where Toth would be or Tahuti. And mm -hmm. I just think that it, we sort of assigned it to a female tantric deity named Kurukula who mm. is the goddess of fire and flowers. So I just thought that's mm. very interesting because she does sit above the Sri Yantra. So, mm. the, uh, right, like the, all the syllables of Sanskrit. So she doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily teach writing, but mm -hmm. she teaches how to understand all the syllables in creation. So I think right. that's very interesting. But it's a totally, but it's a different, like it doesn't work with Yadhe Vadhe. So right. that's the one thing where it's like, is this right or is this just like but well, the colors are so similar right, right? like she's, she's coral with a turquoise like scarf and she has green eyes and red hair mm. i mean it's very similar well yeah um and but what i think you have to look at is when you go back far enough and you look at the scythians and how they were transmigrating across um you know uh, mesopotamia into india um that depending on how close you are to these legends, you know, um, it, it's like we find that the story of Zeus um, actually relates to a story um, in Turkey now, you know, so we're finding you, you can almost like walk through a lot of these legends back to their beginnings. And um, for some reason, a lot of this has a tendency to go back to the Scythians and, you know, and, and you follow them into India, you follow them into Mesopotamia, you follow them into the steppe. Um, and then, you know, um, so it's just, I, I think it has, it's a matter of how close you get to the original tellings of these things, because honestly, I think a lot of these entities and beings are almost asexual. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. But even when you were yeah, talking like, about... Sorry, Adrenaline, go ahead. Just, uh, I was just going to mention the episode. We did probably on the, the City and Samaritan connection. I think oh, that, yeah. that was a brilliant time that we did with Gary. But like oh, I said, yeah. there's so much linked back to um, Scythians. So much. Yeah. And she's definitely a Scythian goddess, like an Indo-Scythian goddess, but definitely right. like Athenian. There's several of them. Not all okay. of them, definitely she is one of them um also when you were talking about the the king and the king's ritual of cutting themselves and i just think it's so interesting how in india well at least in shakta tantra they interpret it as like the goddess being chopped into 51 pieces right by vishnu and then so that's i think that's really interesting because it's not really an inversion because you still no. have the trinity of characters like you still have vishnu as the dragon or the beast, then you have mm -hmm. Shiva as the guru or the teacher, right. then you have uh, Shakti as the witch. So right. I think that's really interesting too. And that's the Isis Osiris set trinity as well. Exactly. 
And I thought that exact thing when I listened to your episode on Osiris and Isis. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, okay, Tara, Mm. Isis, they're both like blue green. They both are associated with like a blue Mm. lotus. Shiva lives in the Mahasmashana. He lives in the cremation ground at the end of the world. It's very Osiris-like. Right. And, you know, Vishnu is space and air. Mm. So he's kind of very Aramon-like and very Sat-like. And, well, and you were bringing up the Blue Lotus. And, I mean, they would make uh, teas. They would would use it in beer. Um, They would smoke it. Um, And, again, that's something that... um, has a tendency to be associated with transcending dimensions you know and also on king king solomon's temple at the top of all the pillars um was all blue lotuses you know that's crazy yeah that's crazy i agree and it's interesting that the pink lotuses are at the feet you always like in shakti tantra you always associate the pink lotus with the feet of shakti or mm-hmm. sometimes with the feet of the Buddha, but right. usually with the feet of Shakti. And then in her hand, well, if it's Tara, or if you're configuring the goddesses to, to be Taras, like to be part of the 21 Taras, then they all hold blue lotuses in one way of thinking. Mm. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that is. Now, I have a question for you. Are you familiar with the character of Milarepa? Yes, I'm. I'm pretty familiar with him. Yeah, um, I, I know. Miller. Really, uh, well, apparently, you, if you could tell the story, because this is something okay. I've kind of been looking at a little bit. Okay, so he was like a young village guy. Um, his father died pretty. Well, he was young. I think he was like eight or nine. His father was a wealthy trader or landowner or maybe like a minor aristocrat he passed away the palace or the farm or whatever it was went to his uncle and then his uncle's wife's family kind of like kicked the mom and the son to the curb they were like totally like poverty they had to live in like a shack outside the village the mom like was like desperate so she sent her son to go study with two different local shamans called nagapas um, one was probably a Buddhist and one was probably like a Bon kind of shaman. And um, he learned what is, well, there are several texts that are, that were said to be the texts that he learned from. So one of them is called Monkey Skull Magic, which I think is really cool. Monkey Skull, <laughs> Monkey Skull Magic. Right. Well, they used, because Tibetans believe themselves to be the descendants of a red ape and yes. a rock demoness. So, oh, the uh, Jim. Jim. Yes, sorry, Jim, mate. Um, has this got any connection at all to Monkey Magic? That's the series what was out in the was it the eighties, Robert? Yeah, Monkey Magic, Magic wow. Sandy. So Chinese picture. people, Chinese people, you know, Chinese people and Tibetan people are actually closely ethnically related. Yes. And so Chinese people believe themselves to be descended from a white ape mm-hmm. and a river goddess. So mm-hmm. that's basically the cosmogenetic story. So yes, in a way of thinking, and because you have to think like in Sichuan, so t- uh, there was a lot of Tibetans that lived in Sichuan historically and still do. And they w- it was like one of the sites of where Buddhism came into China. 
And right when they were doing that, they were doing this thing called uh, white ape sacrifice. So I think mm. that's very interesting. I think it ties into like the monkey skull as a stand in for human skull. I think right. that's more what it was about. Instead of like uh, doing human sacrifice, they would do monkey sacrifice. Nice. Exactly. And so to get back on Milarepa, I, uh, so his mom sent him to study these texts. He studied a couple texts. He actually mastered the magical uh, razor of redeflection, which is the dragon's power. So Rahula. So Rahula is the demon king of all the planets and the stars. Mm. So he's so his power is to rain down what are called sky iron scorpions, which could be an allegory for black magic or just maybe like actual scorpions i'm not sure and then he also would summon comets and balls of fire so basically he learned this magic he ended up summoning them two different times at his mom's request and he destroyed two villages and killed like like hundreds of people so after he did this he was like really grief stricken because he realized that his mom was never really going to let it go and he felt like incredibly remorseful for what he had done. Mm-hmm. So he went to go live in a cave and he practiced like the Tumo magic meditation, which is like the raising of the body temperature. And mm-hmm. he only drank nettle tea. So then it's said to be, he turned green, blue green. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he went to study with a famous, famous teacher. And the teacher basically rebuked him for over 30 years. And Mm -hmm. so in the meantime, what he was supposed to do was build these four pillars. So it even matched correlates with a Buddhist practice called the four pillars of rectification. I think that's also interesting. But anyways, so he goes around and he builds these stone towers, basically. And the teacher always says it's like not good enough or you did this wrong. And he takes them apart and has to rebuild them. Finally, he he is able to finish, and finally, the teacher takes him as a student. I think that's a pretty good recap. Mm. Yeah. And weren't there something like uh, ten thousand prayers of Milarepa of his repentance and um, in regard to walking the left hand path? So that is like the apocryphal story, right? Like that if you do grow sorcery like in a severe way like not just dabble i'm talking about like do stuff with it then right. yes you have to like repent like ten thousand times more or whatever the magic number is right, so right. i'm not so the there's a school of tibetan buddhism karma kagyu they hold milarepa to be their kind of like um head of their school So I'm, I'm not, that's not my school, but Mm -hmm. it is really interesting just because he, there's so much overlap and there's so much like he used dragon magic and he did things. And those, some of those texts that he learned are still in existence. So -hmm. I just think that that's really interesting because the idea is that to kind of internalize those practices and to use them on the afflictive emotions, which take the form of demons within yourself or your mind. Right instead of externalizing them so i think that's pretty interesting too yeah go on so long and oh no no that was perfect that was perfect um and and that is again back to the micro and the macro that's so without as within you know 
Um, no, I, I agree. I think it's all an alchemical process, really. Like, even the mental thing, I think that's the thing that I have the hard time with is, like, how do you merge your emotional things with your physical things? I think a lot of people have trouble with that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and especially since um, it just seems like through um, capitalistic programming, um, we've become more and more consumer based and look to fill some sort of an internal need with external items, you know, and it's like, uh, what was it there after uh, 9-11 when George Bush, he was like, just go shopping, you know, it's like, it's, it's just crazy to me, the level of materialism, yeah. that this, this whole world is kind of, you know, um, but I think that's just the natural um, turning of complexity, you know, um, and, and I don't think it's the first time it's happened, you know? Oh, it's definitely not. Definitely not. But I do think 2001, I mean, if we're really getting conspiratorial, I do think that it was totally a Babylon working in my opinion. Right. I mean, I just think there's, it's undeniable. And yeah. Just, when you look at the numbers, you know, and yes. just, uh, the, the dates and, I mean, even going back into the original Masonic foundation stones of these yeah. buildings and when they were laid and you yes. know, Rock, Rockefeller on the cover of Time magazine with his watch at 9-11. And it's, uh, it's quite, quite interesting. And what do you make of, Robbie, the idea that because the architect who went to Yale, very interesting, Japanese mm. guy, he put in, so there were verses from well, some people say that they were the Quran, and some people that. say it was the satanic verses. Right. There, I have seen a movie from the 70s where you could actually see that kind of golden lettering. Yep. So I have actually kind of seen it, but obviously I don't speak Arabic or read Arabic or anything, so it would be like yeah. impossible for me to know. Right. But I think that's really interesting too, just looking at the black cube imagery. I know you're very fond of it. We're very fond of it over here these mm -hmm. days. Right. And uh, well, it's so interesting, right? And it correlates a lot to, even though I don't really like geopolitics, I think it correlates a lot to what's going on. Yeah. And well, but geopolitics is really just, uh, like you said, uh, larger magical workings um, in the format of directing population and attention, you know? No, you're totally right. Yeah. Um, I think what I found interesting, just, just what you speaking about um, was the, the the water goddess and that, that's quite interesting that, you know there's so many of them mm. what is it uh one of the the water goddesses there the she's a white cow and uh she's one of the rivers. yeah she's one of the rivers in france uh, but it's the the like borden dairy cow that you see um, on all the milk products, um, but she was a goddess. And at one point, um, when all the fairies and all the different earth forces were kind of receding into the lands, um, she, and, uh, who was it? Uh, the writer there, uh, metamorphosis, um, Ovid, um, he writes about her transforming from a goddess into the river, you know, um, so that's that's the other thing. Um, 
transcending dimensions, um, becoming, um, you know, like be, change, like changelings, changing from one form to another, moving from one like existence into another type of existence, um, you know, kind of back yeah back again to the to the it's a, a sort of a portal you know yeah yeah but like in asian culture how many cases do you find where um what was i believe it was the kamikazes that there was a, a portal of some sort that opened up when a great deluge was happening and the kamikaze turned themselves into the land so that the the rest of their people could exit through the portal to save themselves from the, ah, from the happening, you know. Robert, the water goddess you mentioned, the cow was it Hathor? The Archons? No, the the water goddess um, that is often depicted as cow. Is it is it Hathor? Yeah, well, I think that's in Egypt. That's that's another one, but no, this is this was a druidic. This was a druidic goddess. Oh, right. Changed into the river there. And there were three of them. Is that correct? Oh, it's hard for me to remember. Oh, okay. Sorry, sure. probably understood. I was just thinking it's so similar to like Saraswati and Lakshmi, mm. who are both river goddesses, mm. and then Durga, who when she's in the form of Mahagari also rides a white pure white bull so i think uh, that's very similar and they're all river goddesses in one way right and there is a lot of uh, in greek mythology um there's also a lot of white bull um symbology i believe uh jupiter made this white bull for king um midas and basically um, his wife fell in love with it, and um, they were supposed to sacrifice it um, to, um, I want to say Jupiter, or maybe it was Zeus, but they were supposed to sacrifice it on a certain date, and um, King Midas's wife wouldn't let him do it, and she basically um, had Daedalus, the guy that created the labyrinth. Um, he created some sort of a mechanism so that she could get inside like this barrel and have coitus with this, you know, sacred white mystic sea bull. And that was what precipitated the birth of the Minotaur that was at the center of the labyrinth that devoured the children. Just like the god of death, Yama, just like the buffalo head of god of death who mm. eats all the things at the end of the world that she yeah. then slay to conquer yeah that's very interesting and i would say that lines up right with the character of the minotaur being at the center of the labyrinth almost like the black hole or something devouring all of you know very similar i totally agree with that yeah hmm. and very similar to um nergal i know that you talked a lot about that oh yeah because he you know he comes up in mongolian shamanism quite a lot oh yeah yeah as like um i can't even remember his name i'm sorry i'm totally blanking yeah. but it, they sometimes will use it's like a mongolian kind of like 
it's the Nergal, but it's like their version of the word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he is considered to be just like Nergal, the god of war right. and god of death. But yep. not always like both. Sometimes he can be one or the other, but sometimes he's also both. Both, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes he's also synchronized to another god, Erlik, who is the god of plagues. Which mm. I think is also very interesting. Kind of like, uh, what is it, Refesh? Or um, even, oh, what was it there? Uh, Marduk. Um, we have all these miscellaneous um, gods of plague and death that are associated with generally with the underworld and storms and lightning. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they, they, they seem to be the most interesting as well, the, the, uh, the gods, right? The yeah. abilities. Right. The descriptions are brilliant. <laughs> I know um, it tends to lead to a dark path, but um, mate, it's worth it when you when you have a little look into it. Right. So, um, Jin, I saw you posted something about um, showing the underside of the foot as a sign of what was it of disrespect? Yeah, that's considered to be like when you're just like, like a baby Buddhist. You'd, you learn that you know that well i learned it through a cultural way so i shouldn't say that but like um mm-hmm. most people who've been in, like a buddhist for a while know that you don't you're not even supposed to turn your back to the altar like when you right. have it open you kind of like walk with your back to the door mm-hmm. and or to the wall and all but yeah your feet are your lowest place on your body so you just right. don't point them at the teacher or the buddha whether and- it's a or a person and I think that has a relation to do with the fact that the feet are the part that touch the earth, which is the the form of material essence, whereas you're trying to um, work in an elevated space as far as a higher perspective. So you don't want to see the, the thing that, that pulls you back down, per se. Um, and I also think that has to do with the idea of the insult of taking the shoe and throwing it, throwing it at, at miscellaneous people that you think are liars or some sort of uh, miscreant. That's so interesting because generally, and I just did an episode on Cantonese villain hitting, where ah. they pay the old ladies in Hong Kong to go hit someone's photo under a bridge with their shoe. Ooh. That's very interesting. So yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Also, because sometimes <laughs> the, the female goddesses, like the mm-hmm. one I, I showed on Twitter, which was um Sengdong Ma, so the lion-headed goddess or lion-headed Dakini, she because they're all sometimes depicted as with corpses or with certain maras or poisons under their feet. Right. So the idea also is, is that if she specifically for her, if she raises her foot and points it at you, that means she's going to conquer you. And because yeah. she is in one way of thinking a goddess of the apotheosis of black magic, yeah. you don't really want her to eat you. Right. Right. Because <laughs> then you have to traverse the the inner worlds of the underworld. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh Nice. And I used to study a lot of uh, different Eastern philosophy and Hinduism back in my 20s. 
and I really it's something I'm really interested in I should really delve back into it it's been but it's been you know 30 years since I've really kind of gotten into that a lot um hey send you my brother with you saying that sorry to interrupt this is what I was saying to Jim when we started doing this tantric pounding I didn't realize how vast it was gonna be oh yeah Um, it's fucking huge mate yeah yeah well, and that's the whole thing when you start, you know, cross-culturally comparing and interrelating these different entities and how they act and react and interact. Um, it's, uh, I just think it's just the natural fractal expansion of, of the manifestation of our relationship with the, the divine, you know? 100%. No, it always comes down to the Metatron's cube or to, as mm-hmm. I call it, the Shriya Yantra. To, so, mm-hmm. like, right? That's what it always is. It's always the Shakti triangles and the Shiva triangles descending. Yep, yep. Thing. That's what it always is. Hmm. Well, and that's, you know, um, and, and a lot of this stuff, when you start looking at sacred geometry, you know, it, it is interesting. Um, the natural... Um, manifestations within the systems and how they interrelate to the natural world you know like the tree uh, what is it the tree of life or the tree of knowledge growing on top of the tree of life when you get into the hebrew texts right and and realistically you know you can draw it that way in sacred geometry but what it comes down to is the tree of knowledge is the brain on top of the tree of life which is the heart you know, so it's it's just and then the druids emulated that in the apple or the oak tree with the mistletoe growing, you know, as far as that consciousness expanding, you know, at the crown chakra. Um, and it's just funny how all this stuff kind of carries over from the east to the west to the west to the east. But it's like not recognizable to the east or the west because they're so condensed in their own thought patterns. <laughs> yeah well said robbie um i mean it, it's crazy though i have to say like doing the tantric series with generally i have begun to notice so many similarities and so many things especially in crowley especially in like like the newer kind of post-war magicians mm-hmm. i see a lot of th- things that are tantric ideas like 100 percent. like i know that they are for a fact because it's sometimes the idea but it's wrong like you i can tell that's what the idea is but it's not fully fleshed out it's not fully the secret meaning it's like the outer meaning or the inner meaning it's not fully the developed or they know the secret meaning and they just didn't say it they don't and they hide yeah you find that a lot with uh with modern um british um from blavatsky on um but it's also interesting um just the the whole uh well and and those people like crowley or crowley um they were studying eastern you know tantra and eastern mysticism and 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 really bringing a lot of these ideas and overlapping them and interlaying them with 
you know, I mean, it, it's, and it's, I don't know, in a way, kind of like how we have as much information as we have at hand now. Um, they were just, they were just beginning to have, you know, all this information available, you know, now anybody can just go look up any of these books and kind of, you know, it's not, it's not kind of so occulted as it used to be, you know? No, no, you're totally right. And that's the thing. That's what makes it challenging for me because I look at it more from like a trad Buddhist perspective. Right. So mm. for me, it's not inherently like, I don't necessarily think of these things as like super mundane or anything. I just think of it as like a conceptual idea, part of like ritual kind of like ideas, not really, you know, whether it's in real life or just like in your mind that either of them is okay for me. Right, so, right. So, look at them and and like they're talking about it in like this more externalized sorcery way it's mm. very interesting for me to like i can i really can't figure out like what texts they had access to like i know what texts were translated when and you know like i have a general idea of that but i don't really like it's not really clear to me because sometimes i feel like lately they are drawing from some of the texts that are like considered to be restricted yeah. so I'm wondering if they did have access to restricted texts and they, yeah. yeah, like we're relating, like I see a lot of like Kalachakra ideas in, especially in like Blavatsky mm -hmm. and even in the book, it's not Crowley, but it's the one, it's one of the guys he had a falling out with, but he wrote the book, um, crossing the abyss and the daughter of the Aeon or the Aeon of the daughter. Mm -hmm. like that's a very Kalachakra, even just that idea, just like the title. But even some of the content is like crazily similar. And a lot of like people practice Kala Chakra. So I just think that that's also very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting just to see the carrier. I mean, but I don't think it's um when you look when you look back through the histories, there's always been a constant fluidic movement of these philosophies um in the open when they're allowed um hidden away when they're not um it seems like we're coming back into a time where everything's back out in the open again yes no i totally agree with that which is also a mythological story by the way in buddhism mm. right so, right really so, yeah well we like um so the god of war takes all the magical texts and he throws them into the supernal ocean where they sit for 400 years until they are rescued by the sage Matsyendranath, who mm. was like, it's like in the, I guess, 1490s. So he was the one who really started Hatha Yoga. So he was one of the, so there are nine yogis called the Nath yogis. They're all the progenitors of Hatha Yoga in the contemporary time. So most of the understanding that we have comes from that time. Mm -hmm. So he found the text in the stomach of a giant whale, which I also mm. think. Ah, mad. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, the number of stories you have where people end up in the belly of the whale or exactly. there's hidden realms in the belly of a whale or exactly. you know, now you're saying a library in the belly of a whale. Um, <laughs> But I think the belly of the whale really just uh, almost represents the idea of being occulted, about being hidden so far deep down under the waters, you know, that that it takes a while for them to bubble up. 
Yeah, it percolates to the top. Yeah, I totally. Mm. Very That's interesting. Robbie. Yeah. yeah. I love getting this whole Eastern perspective on things. It's it's very nice. Um, it's, it's, it's like refreshing, isn't it, mate? Um, especially, like I said, the tantric. Um, mm. It's just so unique. Well, and, and with Tantra, I mean, you're literally looking at putting yourself into a certain mind state of, of like limitless heavenly bliss, um, almost opening like, again, a portal into a realm of energetic forces, you know, a pure divine love and, and existing within that. Um, it's, uh, it, well, and, and back to the, the portal idea again all of this stuff does it simply come down to the idea of transubstantiation and and transcending into higher realms i mean is it is it are we doing that within ourselves or are we physically doing that within some sort of a um, material world that appears to be all illusion you know exactly what is what and where is how <laughs> Yeah, I know that was amazing. That is, um, that's a crack of that, mate. Another one. Mm. Who knows what's fucking in that? That was just fellas full of bullshit. Well, and I don't know, you know, you get into some lines of thoughts that say you should never get into any of the mysticism because it's all just a, a cyclical, you know, um system that devours itself and you'll never reach an end to it and you know the person that's in the mysticism would say that's because there never is an end to it <laughs> <laughs> no that's true that's true but i so, also like that's why i like the metaphor of the tree because yeah. i think that gives you if you're thinking of it even from like a more tantric perspective you're sitting at the bottom and you're going to climb to the top so you kind of have like a you know you have like a sociological goal in mind so i think that's quite interesting like to think of it that way right where some of the systems you're not really sure right you're not mm. really like there's not really a clear or maybe it's like occulted the end goal right right or it's disunified like you were talking about like the tree of life and the tree of knowledge but in buddhism the one thing that i think is interesting is all the pillars are unified so it's like one pillar and you're encountering all the things that you would encounter on the Chipolithic tree, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that you would encounter on the other tree. So I just think, yeah, there's like, I think that there's a way to do it, but I think it's hard. I don't think it's easy at all. I think that's why people easily get lost. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and so now within the East, you, you were talking about the idea of the four pillars, right? But when you get into Kabbalah, um, you essentially have the left and the right pillar and then the hidden central pillar or that occulted pillar. And then, but, but I've also seen the idea that the tree, the Kabbalic tree of life is a two dimensional representation of a three dimensional form. And there should actually be four pillars there. So I, oh. this is a super interesting idea. I'm sure that you've seen like a picture of a purba. Robbie, uh, like one of the Tibetan ceremonial knives that has the three pegs or the three, it's like a three edged peg. Yes. Kind of looks like 
a pyramid. So that is the idea. But then there's also like a hidden fourth pillar that runs all the way through. Mm, right. So that is, but the, that's like a very, that's a, so, okay. So I'll just say, so with the four pillar rectification that we talked about with Milarepa, that's from a Vajrasattva practice. So mm -hmm. that is like a sin purification practice only. That's all it's for. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. to like purify your body, purify your mind, purify your karma. And yeah. then once you like, once you get up to doing a Vajrakila practice, like a diamond knife practice, then you'll understand what the fourth pillar is, but it's not clear until you get there. Yeah, what right. it's for. Right. Right. Well, and that's very much the, the central pillar of the tree of life is, you know, parts of it are there and parts of it are hidden and, you know, you don't really understand it until you're crossing it, <laughs> you know, hundred. <laughs> But, but in that being the case, if the Kabbalic tree of life is four pillars, it would still have that central hidden pillar, that fifth pillar in the center. It's, and that's the other thing. When you're dealing with stars or you're dealing with pillars or you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with like stars, you have the five-pointed star plus the point in the center or the six-pointed star plus the point in the center. How many did you count? So you always, in all of these machinations, you always have the hidden yes. part of the system. Yes. No, you're totally right. And it's like even crazy because like, I know that like you and I both have like a real fascination with Sirius. Well, I do. I mean, I think you do too. Oh yeah. But like, yeah. I do. And like, I always find that very interesting. And then the idea that there are maybe three serious stars or like different stars yep, associated with that. Yep. Yes, exactly. And cool. then that's really interesting. And then also like, there seems to me, this is just this is just my opinion, but when General Lee and I were doing the series, it seemed to me like there was kind of an answer for that in Tantra. Because mm. it kind of described some of the colors of the different stars and like when you did your series on emerald the emerald tablets mm -hmm. i just felt like there was a lot of overlap personally yeah. mm. well and it's also interesting now with sirius um i think it's sirius b um when you get into the typhonian mysteries of kenneth grant um he says that sirius b is actually set right and that during the quote-unquote dog days of summer, those dog days of summer, when the sun is actually, um, it will, during the day, at, at the height of the day at noontime, um, Sirius will actually be behind the sun, right? So that that, that Sirius B of set being behind the sun is the sun behind the sun or the black sun. So when you get, and that's, but that's Kenneth Grant, you know, right. and, and I think to a great extent, when you have like these characters like Crowley and Kenneth Grant and kind of yeah. some of these new machinations of people dealing with this information that they're kind of picking it up and giving you their own internal interpretation, which may be a more modern updated and not necessarily um, in alignment with the original belief. But it does make sense to me. It does make, like, I understand that there is, like, that is the, like, tantric idea as well, that there is, like, a sun behind the sun. Right. The sun 
is like right it's just a luminary in the sky it's like secondary importance really the sun and the moon like they're important but mm. they're not the primary right like well, they're not the source of the lila they're not the source of the illusion they're not oh, like no. the but they are the machinations that are the closest to us within exactly. the, the makeup of the substrate of what the matrix is so exactly. we have a tendency to take the sun and the moon and uh, uh, you know annotate those with gold and silver and kind of you know getting into the alchemical wedding and all the different you know things that come with alchemy and magic and um that that gold and silver denote no i think that that's really interesting and i also think that, that it was interesting to think that in that the dragon does eat the sun temporarily during the eclipse. Right. Oh yeah, sure. Moon, right? So, but it's only temporary. That's what they always say in the text. They really emphasize right. that it's like the eclipse is only temporary. And like interesting to also note that the Buddha, like the Gautama Buddha, named his son Rahula. Rahula is also the dragon of the eclipse. So I think that's. Mm. And well, and you know, you look back into the Native American cultures, um, you look back into the Asian cultures, um, and you always have this idea of uh, the dragon um, devouring, you know, um, these astral bodies, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's just interesting how far and overlapping this is. No, I agree. I think that like what I get from your work definitely is like um, what I'm trying to do is like, I think that there is a perennial system and mm. I think very obviously based in central Asia. I think that's what really, I was so excited when you started doing like tower of Nimrod stuff because yeah. I really feel like that is much closer to the perennial story. I'm not so much like some people really focus on the Levantine stuff. And I know mm. you have to touch on a lot of that because obviously you're, story kind of builds we'll say eastward yeah whereas well, i'm, from, I'm the yeah from direction. the east to the west yes and then i think it flows back to the east it's like the breath <laughs> yes oh but that's a really good that's a really good analogy um now have, have you heard these there are some prophecies that um that have said that in the future um within the west um and i've heard specifically within the united states and canada and down into south america that this is supposed to be the rising of the new like um, mysticism um returning us you know to the time of the golden age of some sort so the only prophecy text I'm like really like intimately familiar with is like Kal Chakra and Chakra Sambara cycles. Mm. But I can say like there is supposed to be like an age of tumult that precedes an like a more age of like um it's not so much mystical, but there is obviously a mystical element. There is like that. It's the element of like the idea of like you're going to work very like arduously to achieve spiritual goals and okay. will be a lot more psychic. Right. But a refined essence. Exactly. That's a great good way to describe it. Like much more an alchemical, thergic process. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I just find, and again, you know, um, 
with these people that are in these these miscellaneous machinations for prophecy um are they essentially like cern opening a portal and communicating with something you know um it's uh and and now i've read in a couple places that the tantra of the tibetan buddhism um basically was one of the ancient schools from the pre-diluvian world like pre-flood that essentially um worked with within the realm of atrophy um and and that's why they're kind of based around a lot of tantric and sex magic what do you know about uh, that so um definitely i agree i think that well okay so like bond religion is probably a pre-diluvian religion well they even say that they are they right. would date themselves to be like twenty six thousand years old although i will just say tibetans really are like they date things in mystical ways they don't necessarily yeah. adhere to like conventionality of dates right so right. they will just do things that are magic numbers right like they're very into that so oh, yeah. it's that make a challenge to then go back and say how old is this thing yeah. But definitely Bond says that they're from Kazakhstan, that they, and it's very similar to Buddhism. It's very, very similar. And maybe it has taken on more of a Buddhist form in the last like couple hundred years. But there are some original like teachings, original practices that are very like, they're all familiar. Like I could like look at the text and be like, okay, I know what to do. I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So that definitely exists. And then definitely the carnal ground practices are extremely important. The sex right. magic stuff is important, but, but I would say, I mean, maybe it was more important in like a hundred years ago. Just right. now, it's just like we people that would not even talk about it really. Yeah, like I mean, maybe in a historical sense, like you could discuss it, but not like in a practical, modern, real, real practical sense. Like except for like Sarah Kandro and some of the late 20th century dakinis that like you know were around so you have like people like that who were definitely doing sex magic but then you know i think that we've like i think buddhism is very mystified in the west i think it's very obscured i don't think that mm -hmm. people i mean this is the thing every practice can get you there there like all the higher practices can get you there there like a green tara practice can get you there there it just mm -hmm. might take you a long time it might take you many lifetimes if you're just doing it like Dakshinacharya, like the right-handed method. Right. So the left-handed method is just so much faster, so much more dangerous, yeah. but yeah. also just like, you're just, you're much, you have a much more tangible goal at the end. Right. Plus you got all the boons that are associated with it. So <laughs> it can be very tempting, right? Like, but it's also a spiritual, like you have a spiritual goal. You're not supposed to be worldly in your right. intention. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's the marriage of like sorcery with, you know, with like a good, uh, your your spiritual intention is supposed to be good, but you know, right. it, it mar marry the two things for sure. But the, what yeah. do they say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> you know? true. Yeah. No, but, but again, and again, with the uh, Kabbalah tree of life, um, that center pillar um, is faster. It's more dangerous um you know you have a potential of getting lost within the void um you know um, same kind of uh philosophical um remain 
No, you're totally right. I mean, that's the thing. I think that probably most people should not play with magic. Maybe no one should play with magic. But it is, <laughs> but it is a fun thing to think about, at least. And, oh, yeah. you know, but if other, this is the thing. If people are going to use it to do, like, social control, I think that it actually serves us to learn about it. Right. I 100% agree. And like you were saying how the bond um, work, you know, within those mystical numbers as far as representational force multipliers, you know, within the system. Um, I think that a lot of the modern machinations of the mystical media is doing the same thing with numbers. I 100% agree. The magic numbers thing, magic number syndrome is very real. It's very, like, obvious right now. It's very intense. Yep. But, like how often really does 11 come up how often yeah. does triple seven come up how often does 22 33 22 exactly. 11 exactly. 72 17 it's uh well and uh what was i gonna say um the uh yeah just the just the whole system you just have to wonder like um yeah yeah but again back to you know and, and that's the whole thing with these you know, portals, these numbers, these, you know, mystic angel numbers, as some would call them, um, they, they all, I think, serve a purpose to direct the um, phenomena of the creative imagination in general. I agree. I think that, honestly, I mean, I love the magic stuff, too. I'm not going to, like, pretend everybody who's listened to me on the other show knows, but I also... <laughs> I definitely agree that that's, I think that's really where it takes place is like, it's in our imaginary and our collective right. consciousness and like that's, and it's in the dialogue as well. Like the dialectic is in the dialogue. Right. So, yeah. right. So I think that it's really magic is not the spell casting that you're doing in your bedroom. It's really like the things you're talking about, the things you're thinking about, the things you're doing. I'm very right. in line. With that. Yeah, and, and especially if you're using those numbers systemically, even within your own life or on a higher level, you know, like the media, um, if you're using them with the intent of a force multiplier, then, you know, or if you perceive them as a force multiplier, um, it, like it, again, it's all, you know, the uh, mental aspirations of, of the mindscape. Yeah, I agree. Do you find, I don't know if you want to answer this, Robbie, and if you don't, that's okay. But do you find, like, I don't work the numbers on purpose, but right. I find that I happen to come across them, like, way more often you in my own life. Just out yeah. accident. It's kind of ridiculous how much they just won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah I agree it's it's yeah it's almost uh on the level of trickster prankster kind of um etheric kind of turning you know yeah no i agree but even like the house i bought like everything i didn't even realize it at the time i really mm -hmm. didn't had no idea i wasn't i wasn't no i wasn't i realized it was a lucky number but i wasn't like oh like the, i must have that like because of the number i just Ended up there. Yeah, exactly. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, it's uh, the numbers are thrust upon you by the universe. 
and when you get into the whole uh, you know magical realm of thinking you know and you participate with memes like those with ears to hear and eyes to see then you're going to naturally start to see some sort of a fractaline manifestation um causation does not equal correlation you know that's true and and with synchronicity a lot of times um you get lost in this magic of of correlation you know and it's almost like uh what's his name there on the matrix where he's like you know i don't see numbers falling anymore it's like oh there's this and there's that and it's like you know you start to exist within a mystical realm of of sorts yeah non-dual wisdom it doesn't yeah. matter exactly exactly, exactly. And you supersede the dualism. Yes. Yeah. You love the illusion as much as you love the love. knowing it is exactly. Yes, a hundred thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that just makes it all the greater. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I aim for that state myself. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Um, okay, well, let me do one last question before we wrap it up, Robbie. Because um, I know that you've been doing a lot of color stuff. Yep. So what colors have been catching your eye lately? Like, what do you think about in terms of, like, mystical colors? Is your interest, do you have one? Yeah, I mean, I try to exist within the spectrum of, like, the teal, turquoise, and the purple. And the kind of uh, scarlet range. Um, and if you look at, I've noticed over the years without even trying that a lot of my paintings are in those colors. Um, I am a Scorpio. Um, and so I'm kind of in the water realm, um, which that I'm participating with those, those watercolors and the colors that are on those verges a lot. Um, but I go out of my way to also incorporate um, more fire colors in my work. Um, I think that what's really interesting is that in regard to color, I mean, we're only seeing like, what, what do they say? One to 3% of the known color spectrum range that that's available within the frequency, you know, between the infrared and the ultraviolet. Um, have you, have you heard about there's, they found a lady in Florida and she had a uh, extra cones in her eye and she's able to see something like 38 different extra colors and oh, you know and, yeah and then you get into reptiles and birds and just the fact that they can see further into the ultraviolet and the infrared you know and then you start adding in you know magnetite in birds brains and they can physically start to see the electromagnetic you know like spectrum of the planet itself hence the migrating north to south following the you know like the, the electro currents of the earth um i think color fundamentally um is kind of um it's it's part of light um and we know light is a wave and a particle at the same time but i think that color itself um like it's almost like um we're in a co-creation factor of you know basically things locking but the thing is 
if you were to say, well, maybe you're the, the blue you're seeing is not the blue I'm seeing, right? So, you know, you want to, a lot of people want to impose this idea of sub, sub, subjectivism in regard to what our senses are intaking, but we can set up a meter and we can physically measure the spectrum and the wavelength of a color to determine that, you know, color X is indeed color X. Um, but I just think it's interesting how the light cascades and falls and like basically brings forth the thing that we call reality from the darkness i think color is a very interesting thing tell you what robbie you are relentless at blowing my mind mate <laughs> okay wow mate but yeah i mean as far as and and that's the whole thing with colors you know each one is a vibrational waveform um, you know, and when you start looking at the different mystical practices, um, and back to the angel Penemu again, the one that, you know, brought the mixing of colors and showed us how to, you know, um, write essentially, um, these colors, um, it's like, they're what make up the reality that we exist within. So as an artist, you know, um, I generally like to take those colors and just play with them. Yeah. So. In, I in really a, love that. That was an amazing, epic answer. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Just in regard to child, childlike playfulness. I mean, it's you know. I mean, I think that's the the best way to get in touch with you know what the the divine hand in the reality of creation is. Is just to be able to take elements that we exist within and be able to play with them. You know, without any any you know. Um, necessary expectation you know i know i totally i totally agree we have to be yeah a childlike innocence is the only way to engage in the illusion i totally agree and, and it and as dangerous as it all is if you can maintain that childish you know innocence and that playful outlook then um it becomes a, a beautiful transcendent joke <laughs> Yeah, the fool card has been coming up a lot lately. I want that. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. You know, you start as the fool, and as you walk the whole cycle of the tarot, by the end, you should return to the fool, to the zero, to the void, to the abyss, to the chaos. You know, from the from the void to the void. You know. Nice, mate. Just out of curiosity, Robert, what date in um, November? Oh, for my birthday? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't generally give it out. Yeah. Oh, I like that, mate. <laughs> I don't either, Robbie, so that's okay. But yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Sagittarius, so we're quite close, actually. Yeah, I'm a Scorpio. If we were under the um, tropical astrology, I think I'd be a Fucus. Awesome. Yeah, so... And in the Mayan um, system, um, I was born as a double white wizard. So a double white wizard. Yep. Yep. And oh, everything. Every, yeah. Everything I touch, they say, turn doubles in power. So. All right. And then, in in accordance with Egyptian, you know, I have web feet, and so I'm non-symmetrical. <laughs> so according to the Egyptians, I'm filled with heka. 
it's well, like he has been real lately so. you know it's well but it's just funny how all these different cultures sort of you know mythicize and extemporaneously expand upon the ideas of you know manifestation and creation i know i totally agree i think yeah i mean you can't yeah, sorry, John. We go. No, go, mate. Go, go. No, I was just gonna say you really can't overestimate the ability, like the idea of manifestation, and really that should be our end goal. Like when we're here, I think. Yeah. My opinion. And like, so many people are so good at like LHP or like banishing or like all that stuff, and I think that what we all should be just be focusing on is manifesting. I think the tighter we keep our kingdoms the more beautiful things can be well and i've always looked at if it is a fractaline creation you know and we are in the manifest form of the creator then we too ourselves are creators yes. so you know it's just what do we choose in participating with in regard to what kind of you know because creation like shiva can also be destruction you know? that's right so it's uh and i think that you know perpetually it all balances itself as some spiral downwards and some spiral upwards and it's just the natural manifest form of the the fractaline expression you know gentlemen uh, i've lost count how many times but mine was blown throughout that <laughs> i have well, missed you, missed I have you it was fun to get back on, you know, after, I mean, I was out tooling around the country for about three months. So, yeah, and yeah. Uh, now I'm back home and, and getting back into the groove of things. So, yeah, I'll be around, man. Yeah, well, it's really yeah, great to meet you. Honor. Come on. It's fun. I love talking about this stuff, man. Okay, I do. Really, Not really, general really does. <laughs> uh, right, Rob, before you go, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please? And plug your Meta Mindcast, please, sir. Yeah, so I've got the Meta Mindcast. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I got a Discord server. Um, if you want to look up my link tree, I finally got a link tree set up. Um, it oh, is nice. yeah, the letter R and then Marks, M A R X, all one word, no spaces, R Marks at linktree and that'll take you to all my miscellaneous sites yeah i'll i'll, I'll sit that in the show notes as well mate so i'll grab them off you and uh it nice. so the listeners can just click on you straight away and, and same for you please jen do you want to let everybody know plug your threshold saints podcast yeah so i am on twitter at wukong reborn w-u-k-o-n-g reborn I am on Insta at Threshold Saints, one word. I will have a link tree. I'm not that professional as Robbie yet. Uh, but you can always buy Robbie's Wizard t-shirt from Subconscious Realms. I have one. Oh, yeah. And, oh. and uh, yeah, shout out. And thank you, General Lee, for like facilitating this conversation. It's like, really cool because like I've listened to Robbie's work for a while. Nope. And thank you so much, Robbie. I appreciate it. And so, like, yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. No, totally. Mate, you are like I said to you before we started recording, Robbie. You're a legend, mate. Uh, yeah, for real, for real. Well, it was excellent, excellent time and uh, excellent conversation. Yes, nice oh, one, mate. Thank well, you so much, I look forward to speaking to you again soon, Robbie. Um, Definitely.
Yes. Uh, and Jen, uh, we'll be speaking to you very soon, but uh, I'll stop recording now, but don't go anywhere, please. Sounds good. Love you both. Thank you. Thank you. As we move forward, anytime you come closer to something, your vision should get clearer. Am I right? You are a tool in the hidden hand is using you. Please don't be delusional. The rulers of this world practice confusing you. The people and the priests and the imams have been jammed by government scams. Mind systematically programmed. Blatant black hatred and racism. The way they lace the whole world and nation with traces of Satanism. This place is a pagan prison. The founding fathers enslaving intentions were no different than Bush's and Reagan's vision. 1776 took action. This Illuminati took form Spawned from a Colombian faction Just sit your one dollar bill over And if you want me to expose the true code of deception I will show it We live in a designed wicked system The number 13 is consistent in Masonic symbolism It represents transformation 12 completes the cycle So 13 was rebirth and regeneration The meanings of the symbol are strategically hid On the left side you see a 13 layered pyramid Over that since the all-seeing eye with the light Shines a sign of the devil watching over you at all times. The words Anna with Coeptus 13 letters meaning he has favored our undertakings. Will you accept this? Or will you learn the science and ignore them? Under the pyramid, you see Nova's Ordo Seclorum. Translated, New Order of the World, or the New World Order. Authors and satanic fathers of mass slaughter. The eagle that you see on the right sits below 13 stars with a shield that has 13 stripes and an olive branch in its claws with 13 leaves, which is supposed to be in its talent to represent peace. But peace was always on a decrease. His other claw holds 13 arrows of war, sent to be released. And the letters at the bottom of the pyramid are fixed with the Roman numerals that equal 1776. The United States of America exists in the deep devilish abyss with truth and paganism mixed. Every president that ever lived was foul. They gather at Bohemian Grove where they bow down before the owl, see the owl is wide from siege to the darkest of night. And there's a small one on the dollar near the one on the top right. It ain't hard to understand this government was never for us. The eagle was based off of the Egyptian hawk Horus. Thirteen colonies who went to wicked sovereignty and made no apology for the obvious idolatry. Subconsciously, we followed the ways of the beast and pay homage to pagan gods when we say days of the week. Like Sunday, they worship the sun. Monday is moon day. Tia, the god of war, was worshipped on Tuesday. Odin, the chief goddess, who Wednesday is named for. Thursday is Thursday, god of thunder, the mighty Thor. Friday was named after Frigga, notice the pattern. Saturday is the Roman god of agriculture, Saturn. Frigga was the goddess of love, the wife of Odin. The polytheistic theology needed to code. The rituals, like trips across the sand, as man takes the skull and bones fraternity. The secret handshakes would understand. He received only 33 degrees. He secretly believes in Lucifer and other deities. Many powerful and rich people are controlled by these. They even hold the soul of several of your favorite MCs. Politicians telling lies, tongues riddled with thorns, and use hand gestures shaped in the form of devil horns. You don't fear this any harm because you don't know what it entails. Satan tapers with stem cells and sprays chemtrails. The so-called holidays are hypocrisy established to use religious 
doctrines to commit annual robbery. Christmas split in half is Christ's mass. The so-called birth of Jesus where every home has glowing lights cast. Christ the anointed one mass, the birth celebration. Jesus' birth was kept secret due to the situation. The king initiated a death plot because the Messiah was prophesied to rule so Jesus' murder was authorized. No one knows the actual date. That's why sometimes Xmas, X means unknown, but ignorance affects us. A fraud that was purposely flawed. December 25th, the birthday of the wicked ruler Nimrod. His whole disguise was part of Satan's universal wise. A holy prophet's life being pimped and commercialized. Traditions like lights on trees. Rooted in the Nicene Council in 325 AD. By Constantine, these matters were decreed. The concept of a virgin birth was actually conceived and then agreed. With graven images in the temple. The fish on your car is called Onus, a Babylonian symbol. It's visibly contradictory. Telling your children lies, you need to make them study Santa Claus and sick history. But yet we go wherever Satan leads us. The falsehoods we practice in his name ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah.